Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you, as always. But I wanted to start the show by reminding everyone, please check in on people around you. We keep hearing stories of how powerful it was that someone reached out to someone that's feeling lonely and isolated. Continue to do that. We're moving into a dark time. Again, it's a pandemic. People are worried about different factors. Seasonal affective is impacting some people's moods. It's getting dark earlier, the cold weather. And people are alone and they're isolated and have been now for a very, very long time. And that can feel even worse and amplified during holiday season, especially when you're not with your family. And while you're maybe seeing other people not caring about their impact on others and breaking rules and still traveling and seeing family. <laughs> Clearly, I have no thoughts about that. Um, so check in on people, right? And also make sure you're focusing on self-care. Remember, self-care, self-care, self-care. We're focusing on joy, pleasure. We're taking rest. Um, but uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, bear with me because I love stuff like this. So I'm looking at a map. I love stories like this. It shows people's favorite Christmas desserts state by state. I did one of these around our last holiday. Um, my home state, well, let's go to my home state, actually. My home state's uh, most popular dessert is gingerbread or cheesecake. I can't quite relate or make sense of that. Now where I live, California, is peppermint and chocolate chip cookies. These things are so arbitrary. They make me laugh. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite right here is Washington. Washington State, Skittles. <laughs> What? I thought they were going to be baked goods. Skittles. That's pretty cool. Uh, Texas also likes peppermint and chocolate chip cookies, just like California. Um, any other interesting ones as I scan this quickly? Uh, and Midwest is really into pudding, apparently. <laughs> New York also is a big fan of cheesecake. Uh, all the way up Maine. Y'all love chocolate truffles, apparently, and a little bit of gingerbread. Stuff is so strange. I get a kick out of it, though. I appreciate it. It's fun. But a lot of news going on in the trans world. Look, J.K. Rollins, uh, transphobe, digging her heels in, literally refers to let up on it. Even though it doesn't really involve her or touch her life, it's just her pushing back on you know human beings trying to feel accepted in the world. Well, she says, ready for this one, that 90%, that's a lot, of her fans agree with her transphobia, <laughs> but they're afraid to say so publicly. Yes, Yes, please continue to be afraid so, to be afraid of that, because the world doesn't need you to be flaunting or posting or discussing your transphobia. None of your business. Trans people exist. That's not up for debate. And every human being, including trans people, deserve access to resources and healthcare and respect. And uh, if you don't feel that way, please keep that to yourself. 
<laughs> so I'm glad they're afraid. 99% of her fans, that's because all of her fans that aren't transphobes are no longer her fans. All she has left are the bigots. So God bless that. Um, Qatar, they're going to allow pride flags. That's a huge deal during the 2022 World Cup. Wait for it. However, they will still lock up gay men for having sex. So they're still homophobes and bigots over there. And I think they shouldn't be allowed to hold the World Cup. The World Cup still giving them money and attention by going over is a very homophobic thing. So um, LGBTQA football fans uh, are not happy about this because the country historically has harsh laws. So, you know, really great that they're going to allow a material, a flag to be, you know, waved around in support, but uh, they're still going to lock you up for engaging in sexuality. Not okay. Trailblazing trans footballer, uh, love this, was not familiar, uh, Mara Gomez. She made her debut playing for a women's club in Argentina after being made to wait for months to get approval. I love this. Trans women should be able to play on women's teams. Um, so that's a big deal when we see people able to uh, really start to break through barriers. It reminds us of what's possible and starts to normalize these things. I mean, this is really important. Um, Cromo Brown, we talked about that one. That keeps coming up on my feed. And also Trump. Yo, God bless, man. He's trying. So, so far, wait for this. He's won zero out of 38 lawsuits that they filed since election day. 38? Yup. They've lost them all. Campaigns filed lawsuits in uh, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Bam. Zero. It's going to keep trying, though, up till the last minute. But uh, we're going to keep shooting them down. <laughs> my breath is, I'm holding my breath, though. You know what I mean? Because you never know what a sociopath like him is going to pull out in the final, in the final stretch. Um, but, uh, we're, you know, we're going to keep tracking it. And let's just close out doing a little news on a good note. A Philly area dad. I love this one. He built an app. And the app lets you find houses with awesome holiday lights. Because for those that aren't aware of that, there's some people that are really going all out decorating still. Some neighborhoods. And uh, you can stay in your car, very safe distance, and drive around with your whoever else is in your home, in the car, playing music, dressed up, looking at the lights. That's beautiful. A friend of mine has done it. I've seen the video. Stunning. So this is an app, and this is just local, so this isn't nationwide. It's just in Philly. And it helps you find all the different areas. I'm looking at a little picture of the map, and it has like little Santa hats on the areas where they have these drive-thrus. Uh, this is something that more areas could choose to do. So feel free to set up an app like this for your own local area. It's called the Christmas Prism app, and it was born out of a 36-year-old dad saying like, I take this seriously and I want people to have access to this. See, ingenuity coming out of strange times. I love it. That's positive. It's feel good. Um, all right, y'all. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. Weighing on that. We're going to be talking about rest, leisure, mental health. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, and now we're going to go to our first guest, Dr. Alfie Braylon Noble, psychologist, author, and founder of the Acoma Project. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. How is your mental health doing right now? Uh, it's it's okay. Like I have my. It's been a long day, so it's just one of those days in general because I'm an avid meditator, um, and because this is what we both do, um, I'm always trying to be mindful of it and take care of it. So overall, good. Today's just been a long day. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for taking time to be with us. Um, have you personally found any new interesting hobbies or forms of self-care? Because it's something I've been tracking where people out of the blue are all of a sudden bakers. They're crocheting. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's really been step aerobics. 
right? So I'm Gen X. I'm dating myself. Um, so I have a step that I look. I'm gonna tell the truth. <laughs> I've had a, I have a step that I've had since I had my kids. My kids are now 14 and 16, and I pulled it back out during um, the pandemic and found this guy. He's so awesome. His name's Phil Whedon, the gifted one, and I'm just like obsessed. And I'm also a hip hop head. Okay. So he does step with hip hop. So that's what I've been doing. All right. I mean, of all of all the new things to stumble into, that's a pretty good one, right? It's yeah. pretty positive. Yeah. So right now we're talking a lot, a lot, a lot about things like self-care. Um, but yet I have some people that are still really not familiar with that. So when we talk about self-care, how do you define that? To me, self-care is really, I have this thing I say to people, it's finding your baseline. So it's really figuring out what works for you on a day-to-day basis to allow you to feel comfortable in your own skin, to allow you to feel relatively calm. We're not seeking great happiness or you know low lows, just kind of want to be in the middle um, and finding the ways to sustain that day in and day out. That's what self-care is to me. I, and I love what I love the qualifier you put on there that it's it, it's it's an in between. It's not a high high because I think we have to drop the expectations on ourselves right now. Where that's kind of what I'm saying to people is like if you're given sixty percent, like that's pretty good right now. We're kind of like knocking everything down a little bit, right sizing it. Is that what you're also saying? Absolutely. Like you have to, and you also have to make it good for you, right? So it needs to be right size. I love that terminology. It needs to be right size for you. Your right size and my right size might be completely different because of so many different factors. So yeah, that's exactly right. That nails it. And and also just other people's self-care isn't always going to necessarily feel nourishing to us. I know people, like I said earlier, were talking a lot about baking and cooking. For me, that's actually very stressful. That's nothing that soothes me. That's nothing that grounds me. And so it's also, uh, would you agree about checking in with our body and saying, how does this actually feel internally? Yes, it, it is about, I'm sorry to get so excited about it, but it really is important to think about it from the perspective of what works for us personally, right? And so I think part of where we get lost is we don't think about the personal aspect of it. We don't think about what's important for us as individuals because we're so focused on outward appearances and what everybody else is doing. So it really is about coming back to center, coming back to yourself and identifying specifically what works for you. And you may have to try a couple different things before you find that thing that works for you. And if you can't find that thing, it might be step aerobics, right? Right. That might be your yeah. thing. Um, so <laughs> let's talk a little about the Acoma Project because doing a little research, I thought it. it I, I think it's it sounds phenomenal. And I also think that there's embedded in it a really important message. Um, and what I walked away with in terms of the message was there's a lot of people that do still think mental health services are for white people or wealthy people. And so talk to us a little bit about how your project is trying to dismantle and challenge that. Sure. So I'm. Uh recovering academic, I always say that. I spent 20 years in traditional academia in departments of psychiatry. And one of the things I learned, (laughs) right? Oh my God, that's a whole nother show by itself, (laughs) like surviving academia, right? So um, during that time, I realized that a lot of what we use um, in terms of the methods that we, and interventions that we create, don't necessarily feel very culturally grounded or centered for people of racially diverse backgrounds, right? Or if you're queer, right, uh, have a, a different gender identity, some of this stuff doesn't necessarily feel like it fits for you. And so with the ACOMA project, what we want to try to do is a couple things. We want to engage more people, right? So we want our message to get out there more and more. Um, we want to reach more people. We just want people to hear the message, uh, you know, even if they don't engage with it. And the most important thing is we want to change minds. And so our ways of doing that are to find culturally relevant tools. If they don't exist, we build them through research in collaboration with people in communities with a focus on teens and young adults, where I think the biggest thing that we do that's most important is we collaborate. We don't go out and tell people this is what you need to do. 
we sit down, have a conversation. And and that's and I love that you brought us back to that because I made a note to ask you about that the community engagement piece because I think um, thus far we we often just we put too much trust I think in the mental health system assuming that it was made for everyone and I think now we're starting to much like your program does really kind of challenge that and so talk to us a little bit about what community engagement means. Community engagement essentially means working with people in community, not dictating to them. So traditional research is really what something like we call helicopter research. So you sort of fly in, tell people what you're going to give them, hope that they accept it or demand that they accept it, and then you fly back out never to interact with them again. Community engagement is more about from the time you start conceptualizing an idea. Oh, I want to study depression. You go into communities and sit with people and ask them, what does depression mean to you? If you had to fix it, how would you fix it? Um, how would you communicate with people about it? And you learn from them. So I'll call the people that I work with community scholars. They're the experts. I'm not the expert in their lived experience. And that's community engagement. Beautifully said, because I know as, as myself, when I was a youth, I, I definitely felt disconnected from, you know, both the therapists I was seeing, because I, I just didn't feel like this was someone who could relate to my experiences. But I also often felt very disempowered by some therapy. And if nothing else, the goal of therapy should be at least empowerment. At a minimum, it should be empowerment because empowerment is the thing that's going to make it stick. I'm, like literally right before we started talking, I was finishing up a grant. And that was one of the things I like literally just typed that. It's about empowerment over the long term. It's not about let me go in and give you a couple tools that maybe you'll use, maybe you won't. It's about me asking you what do you need and then equipping you with the tools that fit for you going all the way back to how you and I started at the beginning. What do I need for me? What does self-care look like for me? That's our goal. I love that. I love that. And then just quickly, um, telehealth. You know, uh, I was fighting it at first. I was someone who thought all the work had to happen, right? In my office, face-to-face. I want to see you. I want to track you. I want to check in my own body. But I've, I've actually been happily surprised that telehealth has gotten a little bit better. Well, not a little bit, but far better than I thought. So for those that are unsure about entering the therapy because of the pandemic, because of their fear of therapy in general or telehealth, what would you say to them? I would say telehealth feels like a good way to dip your toe in the water. If you have a set of headphones where nobody can hear the conversation except for you and the person you're talking to, if you're that fortunate. If you have to go into the bathroom and talk to your device um, to get the support, it really is a way for you to test it out. I think the other thing that's really cool is you don't have to drive and park your car in front of somebody's office that is clearly labeled mental health professional, right? LCSW, PhD, MD, whatever the case may be. So this is a way to, I think, give people access who may have never otherwise considered uh, going into care. So telehealth, I'm with you. I love it. At first I was skeptical, but I really do think it's it's a way, a way to uh, drive down disparities. Beautiful. Dr. Alfie Braylon Noble, thank you so much for being a part of our show and for all the work you're out there doing. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a beautiful night. All right, we're back. Oh man, look at this. One in three workers had their pay cut during the pandemic. One in three. That's massive. And you know, the reason why it really is meaningful is we are coming up on a gift giving holiday. So I want to support everyone. Please drop your expectations on others because I want people to feel confident. I'm giving people permission to say to those around them, listen, I can't participate in gift giving this year. 
or we're going to be giving differently this year, or I'm going to be giving to one person. And I want those on the receiving end to say, absolutely, please don't feel so you have to give me anything. Maybe be the one to tell everyone, listen, I don't want anyone to have to embarrass themselves or be uncomfortable by discussing their finances. Uh, so let's not give gifts this year. I don't want people to have to, you know, step up and say that maybe do it before other people have to. Um, holidays are about time. Holidays are about attention. Holidays are about letting people know we care about them. Focus more on that. But um, money's tight and people are worrying about housing, food, basic needs, and they shouldn't be worrying about gift giving. That is not a sign of love or care. That's capitalism. That's consumerism. That's materialism. That's not what love is rooted in. So I want us all to let others off the hook. Tell them ahead of time. And I want people to feel confident saying, I'm sorry, this year's going to be different. We'll catch up next year. You know, or maybe you've totally, you know, moving forward, I just want to back out of gift giving. I made that decision years ago. I told my family over the holidays, I'm not going to be participating in gift giving anymore. It's just really not what the holiday is about for me. And I don't want to get, get hung up in all of that. You know what I mean? Especially this year, it's just not safe. So um, expect that. You know what I mean? But one in three, yeah. So remember, buy local. If you're going to get gifts, buy local when you can. Black owned, queer owned. That's what I'm always going for. Can I find a local person who's selling this? Uh, the money directly goes to them. It doesn't go to a billionaire corporate person buying another boat. Um, and then I try to make sure it's queer owned or black owned. And if you can find that combo, bam, that's magic right there. All right, y'all, time to slide into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Uh, <laughs> sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms. Why? Because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore it with confidence. All right, here we go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've come to realize that me and my partner are just not working out. Not only do we not see each other a lot because of the pandemic, well, that's not really fault, right? But I can feel myself getting more and more jealous of their social media posts and it's starting to feel toxic. Why are you getting jealous of their social media posts? Breathe, calm down, be happy they're living, right? Uh, I'm okay with breaking up. Great, then do it. But my guess... <laughs> But I guess my question is, should I wait until after the holidays? I feel about breaking up with her now. No, there's nothing worse than dragging it on. No one wants to be in a relationship with someone pretending to be there. I don't care if it's the night before Valentine's Day. No, end the relationship. That's care and respect. Hi, I care about you way too much to pretend and drag this further. The relationship isn't working for me anymore. I wish you all the best. It's been great spending time with you. Take care. Um, but no, I, if you ask someone from their better selves, their most confident grounded selves, do you want me to end the relationship when I feel like I need to, or do you want me to pretend and perform <laughs> for a few more days to get through a holiday? That's not fair to either of you. That's not mental health for you or them. And you, your mental health, both of your mental health matters. Let's start with you. Yours matters. You shouldn't have to anxiously be faking it. That's not fair to you. And this person deserves better than a partner who's pretending. If it's not working anymore, you end it. Holidays are arbitrary. Yes, they have meaning to many people, but like the person will survive. And yes, they may move forward saying how horrible and around the holidays, but that's their immaturity speaking because a mature person would say, yes, people end relationships when they're no longer working and they don't drag it out <laughs> in a performative way just because this made up social holiday on a calendar. Don't do that. Be better than that. So end it immediately. Let them move on. They might already be aware of this. You don't want to make them feel gaslit by them thinking it's not working, but yet you're still showing up and wanting to spend the holiday together, but they're pretty sure that it's not. So they're going to ignore their instincts and intuition and really lean in and stay open. And then you dump them right after and they realize they were correct. And what were they doing? Don't do that. Don't be that person. <laughs> 
I'm, I, look, I don't care what y'all think. I'm a fan of people doing it how they need to do it. I also say if you don't feel like you'll do it face-to-face or on the phone, text it because it needs to get done. And if you honestly say to yourself, I'll drag it on and it'll be bad for both our mental health unless I do it this lesser form, then I'm fine with that because it needs to happen. You need to really look at the greater goal and not get hung up on the delivery system. Um, so I don't agree with people getting all upset about how they did it. Just be thankful that someone respected you enough to do it because a lot of people just ghost and disappear. And that's horribly toxic, very traumatic, and very disrespectful. <laughs> all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about rest and leisure. Why? Because it's probably one of the most important parts of mental health. So stick around. Question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh on that. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Holiday time's coming. A lot of different organizations. Um, I want to remind you all to support local and small businesses every time you can. I personally do my best to try to buy from people of color. I try to buy from queer organizations and also small local businesses. This is their direct livelihood. Big corporations will be fine without your money, especially companies like Amazon, where that billionaire is not even offering his employees living wages. A lot of issues. So um, remember, shop local when possible. Uh, Small businesses, black-owned, queer-owned. Heck, if it's black and queer and local, that is the triple threat. Um, Also, groups like the Salvation Army, they historically have discriminated and continue to in many ways LGBTQIA people, so um, and Karamo, uh, not familiar with the new Queer Eye cast, but Karamo is one of the guys, and you know he's gotten some flack recently because he was doing something with the uh, Salvation Army, and again, historically have issues supporting the LGBTQIA community. They've even booted people out of their housing. It's kind of a mess. I don't think he had done his research. I know as someone who's often offered uh, collaborations. We don't always have the time and energy to research all the ethics of a company. I do my best, but sometimes things fall through the cracks or things are historical. Um, But let's talk about some companies that you can support if you wanna give money for the holidays, but don't wanna donate to someone like the Salvation Army who has a problematic history. And quickly, let's just look at some stats. About 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBTQIA. That's a large, large number. And also um, transgender people in America, those that are trans, four times more likely to live in poverty than people that aren't, four times more likely. That's massive. So companies and organizations you can donate money to, the Ali Forney Center, I'm very familiar with them. They're in New York City, and they work to protect LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQIA youth from the harms of homelessness. They also help to empower and give them tools to live independently. That is something I can definitely get behind. This is a great organization. They have amazing ethics, very inclusive, very empowering. So that's an organization you can give to. Also an organization from the Bay Area called TGI Justice Project. And they work with incarcerated or formerly incarcerated trans and gender nonconforming people to help them survive and find freedom. Again, the prison system, the uh, Prison industrial complex is uh, traditionally even harder on people of color, but more importantly, those that are LGBTQIA and trans, they are always facing threat, misgendered, not getting their hormones. 
their mental health is not looked out for. And so again, the the TGI Justice Project works with them, people that are, that were, and really help them get back on their feet. That is definitely something that's very important. Here's another one, Hetrick Martin Institute. That's also in New York. I remember them back in my NYU days. I went to NYU for undergrad. And um, they're in uh, New York and uh, New Jersey. And they were one of the first all-gay schools. They were offering education to people that did not feel safe going to a traditional school because schools still don't often support people that are gender nonconforming as evidenced by something we talked about on a prior episode that went viral. Someone, uh, a male identified person painting his fingernails got kicked out of and suspended from school. Imagine what someone who's doing further, bigger, larger, more profound exploration around their gender presentation is going to go through in a traditional school. Bullying, possibly getting kicked out, not feeling safe using the bathroom or the locker room. Um, That's horrifying. So Hetrick Martin provides support, right? Community programming, workshops, GED programs, crisis intervention, counseling, housing support. That's phenomenal. Another organization, they'd love your money. Also, we have the True Colors Fund, and that's set up by a friend of the community, Cindy Lopper. It's been going for about 12 years, and they provide housing uh, to homeless LGBTQIA youth. I love that. They have empowerment programs, advocacy, policy work. Also, Casa Ruby. And this is a uh, six days a week open, and they provide bilingual and multicultural space for people in the LGBTQIA plus community, and that's in D.C., And uh, this is a quote, their staff and volunteers provide basic human services to more than 150 clients per week, meals, support groups, case management, housing referrals, love that. Also, uh, these are names you'll know, the Audre Lorde Project. Uh, Audre Lorde is a uh, black queer feminist. Her work is phenomenal, definitely an icon of mine, very inspiring. So the Audre Lorde Project, they work with people that are gay, lesbian, two-spirit, trans, gender nonconforming, and they focus um, on wellness and also economic justice. The Sylvia Rivera Law Project. Uh, Sylvia Rivera is a trans activist, really a profound early, um, early, you know, part of our movement. And um, that law project is about providing access and affirming care, social health and legal services. And then finally, just local. You know, a lot of your local LGBTQIA centers are probably in desperate need of services, of um, volunteers, and just people that can provide resources. So look into that. You know, if some of these larger ones that we're familiar with have problem problems in their history, we can do better, especially around the holiday times. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline page. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, go to wearechannelq.com. Question of the night coming up next, and then some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, and we're back, and now we're going to go to our next guest, Katie Morton, licensed therapist. Katie, how are you? I'm doing okay, hanging in there. How about you? You know, doing the best we can. <laughs> Not ideal, but, uh, you know, 60% is good enough, right? Agreed. Right now, it's just like, just surviving, you know? <laughs> 100%. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the impact that COVID's having on people's uh, relationship to their bodies and food, and I was looking at some studies by NADA, the National Association, I'm sorry, the National Eating Disorders Association. They said, uh, based on their research, 72% increase in the discussion around people struggling with their relationship with their bodies. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about what that means. 
Yeah, I think uh, the problem with having more time on our hands and having time for a lot of people are like, oh, we have time for introspection. For those of us who struggle with any mental health issue, but specifically one with our bodies, this can be really difficult. Not to mention the fact that now we're rolling into holidays and that food is it's already a very triggering time. But I mean, think back to the beginning of quarantine. A lot of people were talking about sourdough bread and banana bread and do, making food. That's and people right. were, you know, like, I mean, even personally, I ordered uh, what I thought was one box of brownies from Costco, big mistake. It was like six, you know, and you're like, geez, what do I do with all of this? And that's really triggering for both my my patients who are under eaters, like more of the anorexic type of a mm-hmm. person with an eating disorder, all the way into my binge eaters. You know, it can be triggering for all of us because we have that time on our hands and eating disorder is a way to cope with stress and upset. Guess what? We're stressed and upset. Therefore, it makes total sense that Nada found out, you know, that that's what the study showed. And, and it's hard to get a break away from it. I, I've been really good about unfollowing things that pull me back into an assessment of, you know, my own body and what I'm eating. But it keeps popping up. Like I keep seeing, uh, you know, of course, the COVID-15 talk. Um, God bless her. Lizzo is back in the news because she went on uh, some kind of juice cleanse. So what do you say to people? Like what is the, what is the best expectation someone can have for themselves right now and trying to take care of themselves? Is it about just <laughs> shutting down all social media? What, what should we be looking at? I mean, I think it is important, like you said, to, to take stock of who we're following and make sure that it's things that, and pun intended kind of, that feeds us healthfully, right? It needs to be something that's good. We want to make sure we're taking in good social media. And if it's not helpful and it's actually harming our mental health or our recovery, then it's a time to, you know, mute and unfollow people with ease. I don't think this should be something that's guilt-ridden. I think we should all be doing that. But I also think it's important for us to make sure we have extra support during this time. You know, like like I said, I'm just surviving. I know some people are thriving, but we don't need to compare. Right now is a time to, how am I doing? Am I taking care of my basic needs? Like sometimes we just have to go back to that. Am I, you know, getting enough sleep? Am I drinking enough water? Am I seeing my therapist regularly? Taking my prescribed medication as needed? Like all of those things are really key right now because we're already super stressed. There's so much going on in our world. Just know that it's okay to disconnect and to get back in touch with yourself and your support system. And I would encourage everyone to do that. Beautifully said. Now, I know working with some of uh, patients in my practice, we're talking about their relationship to things like drugs and alcohol, and it's been hard for them to really assess what is a sign of like too much downtime or not working or being stressed versus I'm, I am I have a problem or I'm walking myself into one. So when we're talking about someone's eating patterns and habits, if at all, how should they be assessing whether or not they need to reach out for help versus just maybe poor coping? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the truth is, if you find most of your brain space taken up with thoughts of food, either getting food, eating food, getting rid of food, earning food, because we don't talk enough about how people feel like we have to earn it. Like, oh, this is my cheat day. We need to get away from language like that. Every day is a day where I get to feed my body what I want, eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm full. And so if we find our entire day and our entire brain filled with thoughts of this, of food, exercise, and things like that, then it's a problem. Um, I know in, in like when it comes to diagnostics, we always say, is it impairing our level of functioning? And I I believe if our thoughts are filled with that, we don't have room for any other thoughts and therefore it is impairing us. And then let's talk quickly just about the holidays for for those that are traveling. God bless. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, we'll leave the whole COVID perspective out for a second. Um, if someone's aware that they're going to be entering an environment where maybe friends or family members might be commenting on their body, weight gain, weight loss, what they're eating, what kind of um, what kind of steps should they take beforehand or while they're to protect themselves in terms of mental health? Yeah, there's a, a couple of things we can do. First of all, preparing ahead is always key. It's like setting ourselves up for success, right? We don't want to just run in towards this really difficult and potentially triggering 
situation. So putting a plan in place, I always try to put, um, I call them like safety plans with my patients. And these can be anything from bringing a supportive person with you. You know, again, we're kind of leaving COVID out of this, right. but having someone, you know, a spouse, a, a, another family member, someone who knows and gets it and is supportive of you, having them with you, that's great. Also, you know, if you have an opportunity to have conversations ahead of time with loved ones, do that. And you can even have an advocate, like if your mom is super supportive or your sister, brother, whoever, you know, letting them know and then letting them talk to other people. You don't always have to do all the heavy lifting, you know, but letting people know and giving them an opportunity to be supportive. I find most of the time, again, not all the time, but most of the time, family members just don't realize. They don't know how upsetting it is. They don't know what, oh, you look great or healthy can mean to someone who has just gone through recovery and has gained weight and is feeling that, you know, we can take that compliment and turn it into an insult, right? And so just letting people know what's okay and not okay ahead of time is great. And then also just knowing that you have some coping skills on board, like, is it, I'm only going to do this one meal with this family for this amount of time. It's okay to set healthy boundaries around that because then I need to go back home. I need to journal. I need to talk to my therapist or my best friend. I need to call, you know, cope because even if, if they don't listen, let's say, and they, it is still triggering, we need to have ways that we can manage and it's okay to have, you know, we need to have things that we can do in the moment, but also after the fact and just making sure we've prepared for that ahead of time will really set you up for success and help you get through it. Yeah. As unscathed as possible. <laughs> unscathed as possible. Yeah, planning is so empowering. And I like what you said about how have a little compassion because some some of those uh, comments about people's weight gain or loss is so normalized in our culture that not everyone's aware that it can trigger someone or maybe might be something that um, triggers someone. Or, yeah, it makes them feel bad. So I like holding space for that. Um, and also I'm trying to remind everyone that the holidays are supposed to be fun and, and your fun and your comfort matters too. And sometimes that might mean setting a boundary or even not going. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's something I've been talking a lot about recently is boundary setting and expectation managing because this year is a little bit different. And I love to tell people the best way to kind of set a boundary because people think it means we're going to potentially fight or we're being aggressive. And no, it's just, it's clear communication and asserting ourselves, you know, well, and it's, best done what I call like a hug and roll where we're like, mom, I love you. Thank you so much for inviting me to that. This means the world. The holidays are my favorite time. However, now is not the year where I can come. And I hope that you understand why I have to make that decision. You know, those are ways that we can try to communicate with a love up front and then, you know, a clear, clear understanding of what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah, I love that. That was that felt good to me as you said that. So I'm totally, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I also remind people that, like, you know, unfortunately, not everyone's going to say thank you for setting a boundary. I'll honor that. You have to kind of set it and hold it anyway. And that, um, yep. you know, we're, we're trying to get people more familiar with boundaries being set, but not everyone's going to honor it. So you got to kind of hold it anyway. Yeah, it's not. We can't control other people. We can only control ourselves. Right. And we might have to be a broken record, but we do that to take care of ourselves. Beautiful. Katie Morton, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Have a great rest of your night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Of course, be well. All right, we're back. Now, those that uh, do feel financially very secure and do want to participate in materialism and gift giving, I want to tell you about a new product. Kind of blew my mind a little bit. It's called the Moly Kitchen Robot. Wait for it. <laughs> it cooks for you and cleans up afterwards. It's a London-based company, a robotics company, and they've built the world's first fully robotic kitchen, they call it, which cooks from scratch and even cleans up. This is amazing. So it's these like 
robotic arms on this thing. Um, you don't even have to give it a menu. Uh, it, it basically replicates the movement of human hands with cooking, uh, temperature adjustment. It can get items from the smart fridge. It can use the sink to pour or mix ingredients. It can fill pans. It puts food on the plate. It basically does everything. Um, there are ready for this on the menu of things that can cook five thousand different things. So you are guaranteed to find something you like. Here's the downside. Take a guess how much this bad boy costs. <laughs> if you saw it, it's not that gigantic at, by any means. It's it's very countertop friendly. Ready? It costs three hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. Three twenty nine one seventy. Almost well, yeah, three hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. So it's a little bit of a chunk of money, you know. And right now they're only available in the UK. So um, you know, not everyone's really able to afford that. But hey, if you've got if you're Jeff Bezos kind of money guy or gal, or non-binary, they, them, he, her, she. I mean, $300,000 gift, that's, hey, that's something. <laughs> uh, now, if things go wrong, that's the only downside. You got an allergy, <laughs> something gets burned. I mean, there's glitches in anything technologically based. So God bless with that one. But um, yeah, so that's a, that's a beautiful gift. You can give that. And for those that want to do something more experiential, because that's what the experts in gift giving always say, experiences are the best. Give someone a gift that includes you and them doing something, which I actually agree, which is not common. Usually it's an object, but I think experiences are great. Here's one. It's called BYOB Hot Tub Boat Rides. That's right. It's a boat with a hot tub in the back and you and your friends climb in and it just kind of sails around the New York City Harbor by the Statue of Liberty. Uh, not COVID safe, but this could be something post-COVID. And this happens in the Hudson River in New York. It's about 100 bucks each for 90 minutes. You get to view the Statue of Liberty. Come on, that is stunning. Other cities need to do something like that. They just might. Um, all right, y'all. It is time for question of the night. Question of the night is, what song would have been huge this year if we weren't in a pandemic? <laughs> That's a really interesting question because it's kind of secretly saying, what's your favorite jam that you think didn't get enough attention? My musical tastes are not uh, top 20, so a lot of the bands I like people haven't really heard of. It just tends to happen that way. I like uh, more of that like mid-tempo, electro, folk kind of hybrid combo thing. It just kind of matches where my mood's at right now. I'm not up, I'm not down. I'm kind of just like chilling out, chillaxing as they say in that like middle level lane. But anyway, what'd y'all say? First person said Little Nas's, Little Nas X's Holiday. Don't know that one. Someone said WAP. That song was huge. What are you talking about? <laughs> That song made so many people upset. It separated so many families. It got a lot of young people in trouble when their parents walked in and they were trying to do, do the WAP dance on TikTok. What are you talking about? That song was gigantic. Uh, again, question that is what song would have been huge this year if you weren't in a pandemic? Someone said Dua Lipa's whole album. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm familiar with her peripherally, but I always hear good things about her. Someone else said Megan Thee Stallion's whole album but also definitely WAP would have been huge in the clubs if they were open. Okay, that I get, huge in the clubs because they're not open. But I thought WAP was like on fire. Like I thought that was like a cultural moment that we all experienced. Like grandparents are aware, I thought, of what that is. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but that's what's so interesting is like you can't know ahead of time what music or what song is going to really take off. There are some song, the songs that I thought were going to be like, Phew! How about that Mariah Carey Christmas jam? Maybe we did see that coming. Every single year, that's like the number one song around the holidays. It's not a bad one. And it's linked to that movie, um, Love Actually, which I, I'm not, I'm sorry. God bless. Those that love it, you have my full support, of course. But I can't stand movies like that. It's so drippy. <laughs> 
And I don't hate love. It's not that. I really love love. In fact, I'm a very romantic, poetic person, but I can't stand that stuff. Okay, anyway, question of the night was, what song would have been huge if we weren't in a pandemic? Someone said Miley Cyrus's album, I think would have been big. I haven't checked that one out yet, though. I know it's a, I know it's a lot of covers, right? Is it all covers? Um, but this person that lives like next door to my house, so it's like over a driveway in a shrub, they love blasting that. So I've heard her do um, Blondie's cover. <laughs> I was in the shower because our windows are just like, you know, straight shot across. Um, wasn't bad. Her voice is pretty badass. Uh, what else did you guys say? Someone said, any song that came out during quarantine, I just want to go out and celebrate. I know. Soon soon just tell your friends and family members to please stay home and wear a mask here's the thing y'all celebrate the holidays at home please we are still doing the backlash from thanksgiving santa monica hospital has 60 people waiting for beds 60 people and they've been waiting for over a week because they are at max capacity things are not good please stay home stay home and make these songs a hit by doing tiktok videos how about that instead all right, question night is up on our Loveline IG page again, and the story's weighing on that. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. As always, if you have a DM, drop them in our Loveline IG page, write in those DMs. Anonymous, confidential, whatever you're thinking, someone else might be thinking it too, so drop it in there. All right, y'all, coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Tiffany Haddish. Ooh, that story goes on more. So basically... The Grammys, who have money, wanted her to uh, basically pay for her own wardrobe and makeup, et cetera, et cetera, to host it. And she was like, nah, I'm good. Y'all listen, pay people for their labor. No one should be asking for free labor, not in a time like this. It's bizarre to me, especially to a company like the Grammys. All companies, if you're asking someone for labor, pay them. It's bizarre to me. It is bizarre to me that someone's paid to do a job and then they're asking for free jobs outside of that or instead of that or whatever it is. I have people all the time wanting to collaborate, wanting me to host something, wanting me to speak, and then they're like, there's no budget. It's like, well, listen, I, I work for a living. It's a capitalist culture. I have bills to pay too. Um, so I understand that pressure and I have to take time out of my clinical practice if someone wants me to do something else. And so, yes, my time is worth getting reimbursement for it. The new year, I, I'll tell you this, I want to inspire people. In the new year, I'm asking for money for every single thing I do. I will not be doing any labor for free. Whatever whatever I'm doing, there's money behind it, or I'm partaking at home with my loved ones, having fun and pleasure and joy in my life. I'm done working for free. Y'all just wait, and I advise you to do the same thing. The years of people making money off our labor for free are done. That's some problematic capitalism, so make that a goal in the new year. So Tiffany Haddish, let her inspire you. She was like... Don't need the exposure bad enough. Thank you. Good night. And they'll try to do that. They'll be like, oh, it's good PR. It's like that, again, does not pay my bills. Um, and I promise you these one-off things aren't good PR. They don't, they don't, nah, it doesn't work like that. I can tell you. <laughs> All right, y'all, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore the confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I know that you kind of talked about it before Thanksgiving break. What's the best way, in your opinion, to deal with toxic family over this holiday break? Unfortunately, my parents are coming to Dallas to visit my brother and I, even though I told them not to because of the pandemic, but they don't care. We're just so different. How can my brother and I publicly make this holiday gathering less toxic? Well, your parents don't listen to boundaries, and some parents think that they don't need to have them with their children. All children, even young children, get to have boundaries and privacy. 
it's, it's gross what we do to even young kids. We think that they have no rights, and they do. You don't own them. But um, I don't know. If I told my family I didn't feel safe hosting and they were coming, guess what? They wouldn't be coming in my place, period. So I think you should tell them uh, we will not be gathering. If you want to come and sightsee in Dallas over the holidays, that's awesome. But due to pandemic, we will not be gathering or spending time together. Let them know you are happy wearing a mask outdoors to meet them for coffee or a walk in the park. But that following the rules of the CDC guidelines due to the raging numbers, especially in places like Texas, you will not be doing anything indoors. They will have just flown on an airplane and walked through an airport. So yes, they are high risk. So let them know I've asked you to not come. You are ignoring my boundaries. So I need to let you know if you come, I will only see you wearing a mask outdoors for a small period of time. It's it, it bums me out that they don't listen to boundaries. That's how you make it less toxic. You start to let them know that you do have boundaries and that they will be honored. Outside of that, I don't know what else is toxic in there other than the boundary thing, which is huge. I'm going to assume they have bound, they don't have boundaries around conversation topics. You have a right to also let them know what you will and will not talk about. If they bring up triggering things, you can say, hey, I'm going to stop you. That's not something I'm comfortable or willing to talk about. How was your flight? But I'd give them a heads up that there will be no time spent in a restaurant, which I don't think you can anyway, but that you're not hosting anyone, especially someone from out of town during a pandemic. You know, man, y'all, oof. Come on, y'all, boundaries. Listen to people when they set them. Damn. All right. <laughs> that is our show. You can check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com, as well as my live stream show, I'm Listening Live, which is every Thursday on all the radio.com handles, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's, uh, like I said, Thursdays, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, Celebrities, Experts. Holidays are coming up. Get yourself a good book. Find a local bookstore. You can get them online or pick them up at the door. Local, 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 please. We're not doing Amazon. Get some great books, some uh, books that are related to the kind of work you do in the world, some books that are self-help. Pick up my books, Gift My Book. My book, Sex Outside the Lines. My second book, Rebel Love. Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love. Give someone the book of uh, therapy and self exploration. So gift my books, read my book, and uh, maybe send them a link to my podcast. But uh, uh, have a great weekend, y'all. Joy and pleasure. Tons of joy and pleasure every single day. Lots and lots of rest. Tons of self-care. That's what our weekends are meant to be about. We work hard all week. We're not working over the weekends. It's our time. We're reclaiming it. We're resting. Joy and pleasure. Self-care. Um, thanks for hanging out, y'all, and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.